hello, all you folks out there on the internet. Pastor Joshua Duffy here with you. Dr. Paul Looney, you are engaged with the Westcliff Climb. Paul, how are you, buddy? I am excited. I'm feeling really good. It is a sunny day here in Willis, Texas, and my gardens are blooming. And so it's it's a good morning. I'm especially happy to be on with you today. Thank Josh. you. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, you're uh, uh, those of you who don't know, you're a prolific gardener, aren't you? Mm, it's my full-time job. <laughs> Everything else just, you know, I, I, I do love gardening. I, and, you know, Joshua, it was man's original occupation. So, hey, it's, it's a great collaboration between God and the man to uh, make things grow and be beautiful and productive. So, yeah, I love it. I'll tell you, when I was, uh, when I was a kid, I'd watch my grandfather out in the garden and in his garden. And I, I used to wonder, like, what age? Does a man go, I think I want to play in a garden, right? And last summer, I am trying to grow what was really supposed to be salsa. It was the, the active ingredients for salsa. And then I went, oh, it's at about age 39. There it is. <laughs> well, for me, it kicked in early. In many ways, I'm a very late bloomer, Joshua. But when it comes to gardening, I got the bug early. When I was in high school, my room was full of potted plants. And um, I, I loved landscape back then too. So yeah, I, I, I'm like, I'm slow on a lot of things, but with, with gardening, I got bit early. So there it is. If you're just now tuning in, this is not actually a home and garden podcast. You wouldn't know that uh, <laughs> judging by the banter here early on. It's actually uh, uh, dealing with ministry life, the intersection of culture, all of the stuff that we deal with here, Westcliff is a place to be inspired, to breathe deeply of life, to be challenged, to engage fully with truth, and coach to walk securely in the way. Let's get right into it. Incredible video. Great, great stuff. Why don't you talk just a little bit about the inspiration and the thought and the heart behind your video this week? Well, Josh, I've been counseling folks for about four decades now. And what I've come to learn from them and from my own journey is that, that God is deeply invested in helping us process the grief of living in a fallen world. Hmm. Um, I like to think we all kind of have a memory of Eden that, you know, we, we have this idea of the way things should be. Right. And we look around us and like, oh, no, that's not what shows up. Right. And the more deeply we invest in relationships, the more we expose ourselves to disappointment and frustration and hurt. One of the things I say in the video is that it's especially painful when those that we trust and value let us down or betray us or reject us. Um, the good news is, and that what I try to, to underline so heavily in the video, is that God is with us in our story and in our pain. He wants us to come to him. He wants to be our person, if you want to use the person word to right. refer to the Godhead. But he wants to be the one we turn to when we are upset, when we're sad, when we're hurt. Just like your little boy um, needs to have a mommy and a daddy to turn to when he's hurt, sad, frustrated, lonely. Um, we need to um, engage deeply with God, especially in those moments when we are crushed um, as, as we often are 
by coming up against those those limitations, those heartaches, those disappointments and discouragements that are inevitable. Right. So, okay, here it is. So you, you obviously 40 years of dealing with people. Um, it's one thing to have experiences that inform us, but then also having experiences that form us. So mm. my, my question would be in, in what you've seen, how often uh, are people just not kind of just this unbelievable blind spot to what were the contributing factors to their their situation or their hurt or their pain? And also how often is that connected to childhood stuff as opposed to adult experiences? What, what would you say? What a great question, Joshua. Um, there's always this um, echo from the past. And as I mentioned mm. before, I think there's an echo even from Adam and Eve, from their initial experience of of a shame-free life, their initial right. experience of nearness to God. We have a deep, uh, I believe, sense of what life ought to be. And and the fall has echoes that continue to reverberate, uh, reverberate in our psyches and in our souls. Um, for our personal history, though, we even before we have memory, um, even while we are in the womb, there are wow. forces and influences that shape us that will be activated um, at key moments in our life, whether it's a, a breach in bonding, whether it's a, um, a deep sense of violation or abuse, um, those things will come up for us. And it's the way I think about it, Joshua, is that, that when we're small, we have um, events that happen that we are powerless to contain or to stop or to escape from. And um, those things are devastating and they hurt us deeply um, and make us um, vulnerable to the, the lies and the attacks of the enemy. Um, our coping strategies keep us safe at those times, but it's probably inescapable that God will allow those similar circumstances to re, re, uh, uh, revisit us right. at a time when we do have the emotional maturity, the spiritual growth, and the people around us to help us go back into the pain and find a new way. Wow. Um, so we have to go back into that. It, it's it's like the hardwiring of our brain gets fixed in those early life moments. And the only way to get back into that programming or whatever is with the password of pain. We have to get back to that place in our psyche that was that was derailed through pain so that we can get it back on track. I love that idea of like a password of pain. It's like when you've lost the password to your nothing more frustrating. You can't open yeah. something that you know, you need the information you need to know. You could navigate it if you could even open it, but just figuring that out. So then let me ask you this. Um, what, what percentage, I guess, or even how often uh, do you have people that come and see you in which something happened? They're five, six, seven, eight years of age. And actually, it wasn't like a horrible, malicious, evil thing, but it was the way that a five, six, seven, or eight-year-old processed it came to a conclusion that a five, six, seven, or eight-year-old processed it, and it came. they came to radically different conclusions than maybe the intent of the experience itself. What would you say? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I personally had an experience with my older brother who um, who was very rejecting of me as a kid. And in one particular moment when I went into the kitchen to, to fix myself some chocolate milk 
And um, he uh, had already done that. And so he was annoyed that I was copying him. <laughs> and so he was like, why can't you be your own person? You're such a tag along. Uh-huh. Just really laid into me. And I, I was shocked in that moment. And, and I made a decision at that moment. I remember not letting him see my distress, but telling myself and him internally, okay, fine. I won't try to be near you. I won't try to be wow. like you. If you don't want me, I don't want you. And so that decision in the moment spared me more pain from rejection from him. But as is so often the case, that decision generalized to other relationships. And I find my, found myself incapable of being vulnerable to rejection. And so for many years, I gravitated toward relationships where I felt absolutely certain that they needed me more than I needed them. Wow. Um, if you and I were, had been in school together and I thought, wow, Josh Duffy is the coolest guy ever, I would not reach out for friendship unless you made the first move because I would not risk being thought of as a tag along or a pest. And so it, it limited me so much for so many years. I missed out on a lot because I was not willing to, to, um, visit that pain again. I did was not willing to risk rejection. So I just wouldn't reach out. And it wasn't until much later that God orchestrated things to take me back to that place of pain of rejection and realize that, that my avoidance of pain was actually leading to even more pain. Right. Right. You know, I, I was just walking with someone through uh, processing some stuff that was going on in their life here recently and they 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 shared with me they felt guilty about the fact that they loved their father they love their father they admire their father but yet there was something amiss as a childhood they didn't feel loved and so we just walked through kind of what was what made them feel loved versus how did dad show love and uh you know it just so happened that what made the other siblings feel loved matched up perfectly with the way that dad showed love and here he is walking around with this guilt and i was just kind of like You've got to remember that the five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year old that processed that came to a conclusion that now you as a 25 year old is going, well, that's illogical. That's crazy. And cut yourself some slack. You can love your father, remember him rightly, remember him well, but also you can walk in that tension because the seven year old doesn't think like a 25 year old, and that's okay. Yeah, beautifully said, Josh. Um, the 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 psychological term that we often use when it comes to parenting is goodness of fit. Um, that's why parenting an adoptive child is so challenging because, mm. in general, when we are parenting a child who has my DNA and my wife's DNA, my spouse's DNA, we can we can kind of tune in to those aspects of them that are like us or yeah. like our mate, and so. We have a better chance of figuring that out. But even in intact, you know, biological parent-child interactions, you have a child who is who's bent, whose need for love is different than what daddy shows. In my own, in my own experience, it was me being kind of a sissy boy and liking girly things that made it more difficult for my dad to connect with me. And so, like your friend, I had this gap in the connection with my dad simply because. What I, the way I was wired, the way he was wired did not, they didn't match up. 
Wow. And you know what? Just a, just a shout out to parents because culture is pushing for one thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, you want to parent your family well. And I want to encourage you not to be a reactionary parent to culture and be your own follower of Jesus, living in grace, living in the moment with your child. I'm just, I'll give you an example right now for those that are listening, if you're a young parent. Uh, so our ages are seven, five, and two. The boy is trapped. Okay. He's trapped. He's five. He's caught in the middle of what are going to be two beautiful young ladies. I feel bad for him already. Uh, and so he wants to do everything that his older sister does. And of course, we're Irish. Of course, you are too, Paul, right? So there's two Irish guys and a hot mic. What could possibly go wrong, right? <laughs> so here we are. And uh, that's a big part of our culture and our family history. And the kids want to go do Irish dancing, right? So what does the son want to do? What the older sibling? So here we are in the kitchen. And here's the, the five-year-old. Dad, I want to dance. You know, and I thought, wow. I, I never thought I'd have a son look at me and go, I just want to dance, dad. You know, and I thought, okay, you know, so he's playing shortstop and he's going to dance, you know, Lord of the dance. Okay. It's somehow these going to coexist, but we're in a, right now I can talk to parents that are on all ends of the spectrum and some may feel like, well, the, wait a minute. What does that mean? Does that mean my son? I, I uh, you know, how am I going to react? I'm not going to let my boy do anything that's artistic or seem more sensitive or more whatever. And I, I'm looking at the kid going, you want to dance, buddy? We're going to find a way that you can dance and you're going to be the best Lord of the dance that Woo. I can find, you know, and not, and not react because culture wants to make everything, you know, they want, they want to foul everything up. And so keeping a clear head, I think is important. What say you and all of that? Well, yeah, for sure. The, the great news, Josh, and I, this is what I am coming back to in, in the video about um, the Psalms and about how David engaged with yeah. God. The, the, the great thing about our Heavenly Father is that He is able to tune in perfectly to every soul on the planet. Um, he understands that the human soul um, is is tough as a rock and fragile as a flower. Boy. That um, that we you know we have this with this this inner strength that He's given us, but uh, a tremendous vulnerability that even in our best moments, we can experience heartache. And he, he, again, he wants to be our go-to and he wants to meet us and mesh with us in a way that, um, that our hearts become one. And um, the, the, the good news that mm. to me about us going to God with our grief is that Jesus promises us in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And, um, I'm reading a book right now called um, The Upside of Your Dark Side. Mm. And um, it really makes a great point that people who try to avoid their negative feelings do themselves damage. That when you mm. when you dampen negative feelings, you also dampen the positive ones. That for us to be fully alive and live the abundant life or the life to the full that Jesus came to give us, according to John chapter 10, we have we we must engage our pain, our grief, our suffering, our anger, even to, um, to really uh, enter in to that heart of God that is fully alive and fully present. Wow. And I love what I love about your example of what you use with David is just no one keeps the conversation going with God quite like David, unfiltered, 
angry, upset, confused. He lets it all out there. And just to remind people, like, you know, you may be in that place and it's okay. He, Jesus did quite well under scrutiny and an unfair trial to frustration and anger. He can take it all. He took it all once 2000 years ago. Keeping the conversation going is preeminent. It's so, sure. so important. You said one thing I really, really loved, and I, I don't want to miss this. I have it in my notes because I just loved it. You talked about the role of confession in this door of faith and fear. And when we are gripped by fear, what is the role, do you think, of confession, bringing the dark things out to light? What do you think sure. that does for us? Well, there's a, there's a fascinating passage that says that everything brought into the light becomes light, which is mm. like crazy cool. Um, but if you think about a child in bed at night and they look over and think they see a monster, right. when you turn, flip the light on, they realize it's a coat draped over the chair or whatever. There's, there's, there's that ability for us when we confess things to see them um, in a perspective that uh, is informed by the relationship into which we confess them. Right. If I call you up and admit that I've been looking at something inappropriate on the internet, um, the the strength of of our relationship and your acceptance of me allows me to see that accurately as a as a fail in terms of my walk as a uh, as a missing the mark, but it allows me immediately to um, to come back into the light and to examine that misstep and look at what might be a miss other than my other than my looking at trash, yeah. um, what's going on in me that would allow me to turn to something um, that is uh, destructive? Wow. Um, what is, what's going on? Is there a legitimate me that need that I need to have met? Or is there a frustration that I need to take to God? So that the, the confession really is allowing us to get out of us what might make us sick. It's, it, it, I know this is kind of a gross analogy, Josh, but it's like having food poisoning because of something you've eaten. You need yeah. to vomit. You need yeah. to get it out of you. And confession gets it out. It says, this is what I did. It is not who I am. Um, if I keep it you know, close to my chest, it feels like my sin is my identity. Yeah. When I confess it, it says, this is what I did. It is not who I am. This is my history, but it is not my identity. Wow, I love that. And just to remind you guys out there, whenever you are going to bring something into the light, make sure that you choose wisely who that's going to be. You don't want to pick some spiritual pinhead, okay? That's either just going to snicker and laugh or think, actually, uh, what you're so ashamed of uh, is a good idea. Let's do that again, or whatever it could possibly be. Somebody in your life who walks in the and grace and truth that mm -hmm. measures the words that you're saying, the complexity of the being that you are, and then it's going to distribute grace in such a way because grace ultimately is what changes the condition of the human heart, guilt and shame for as long as you feel guilty and for as long as you feel ashamed can only temporarily change your behavior. So beautiful, beautiful, beautiful video. Totally dug it. Uh, could watch that again and again. Go ahead. So um, <clears throat> it has a great link to your video, Crushed, because I, I mean, for me, um, you make such a beautiful point of how um, you stood, you stepped back and let your son carry the weight that he could carry. And, and God has given us burdens. <laughs> uh, he, 
he does give us things that we can carry. But um, but the thing I love about your video is that that um, you are at the ready whenever your son needed assistance to um, to offer it. And 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 of course the point at the end that all along you were doing the majority of the work, even though he was unaware of it. I just think it's such a beautiful thing, but it's it's so connected with this idea that um, we can cast our cares on him because he cares for us. You were always there, always watching, always making sure that your your boy was safe and not taking on something that he needed your help. Um, but, you know, the, the, the cool thing to me about the video is that you let him struggle and find what his limit was you let right. him like when, when he's picking up one of those the one of those big chunks of wood i'm thinking like wow i think i would have been tempted to like oh here buddy let me get that for you <laughs> um but you resisted that urge and let him and he hoisted the thing yeah um, and then later you didn't you didn't say here let me do it you said would you like my help which is so different and when he verbalized, yes, please, that's when you could step in. And that's sometimes we we expect God to step in without us asking. Boy. We like, well, if he cared about me, he would do this. <laughs> um, but he wants us to be humble. Um, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And and when, when your little boy says, Daddy, please help me, you're like, sign me up. There it is. But, um, but but again, it was it was not you didn't rush in to help before he experienced what psychologists call optimal frustration. Mm. Um, optimal frustration is what uh, what good parents allow their children to experience before they intervene. They let their child test it out, figure it out, and experience some frustration, and then they're available. There it is. That's uh, a beautiful segue. And before we jump full headlong into my video, I want to remind you guys, you are listening to the Westcliff Climb. You can uh, check us out at westcliff.org, W-E-S-T-C-L-I-F-F-E.org. You can search for us. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. Just simply look for the Westcliff channel. There you'll find us, Westcliff channel. We're on Instagram at WestcliffTX. Facebook, simply search Westcliff. Uh, we want to also point out the incredible work, generosity, kindness of Woodlands Church to the Woodlands Church family, allowing uh, Dr. Paul Looney to jump into the mess, into the fray with me in this beautiful endeavor. We thank you guys, the leadership team as well, for extending this opportunity to him. And uh, we love that you guys are plugging in as well. Also, hiddenmana.org, uh, wonderful stuff going on there to help restore marriages back to the intent that God had here in this broken life and broken world. Paul, you want to say anything about that? Um, we, we love what we do both in the free world world and in prisons. Um, we just got an award from the governor for congrats, best family program for the volunteers in the TDCJ, the prison system. So we're deeply honored by that. I love it. Yes. Congratulations, by the way. Thanks. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Tavarius Linzer. Uh, we're going to try to get Tavarius on next week uh, and just get some of his thoughts and insights of his heart and what he's seeing and and uh, his life of worship, leading a life of worship. Beautiful stuff that's coming from him. You can find Tavarius Linzer at TavariusLinzer.com, T-A-V-A-R. 
I-O-U-S-L-I-N-Z-E-R, TavariusLinzer.com. And also a special thanks to the Church of the King in Katy, Texas, again, for uh, uh, loaning us the talent of Tavarius Linzer, uh, both uh, humble in nature and uh, talented. Hard to find both. So sorry I jumped the gun on your vid- get, getting to your video. You're good. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. You're good. You wet the appetite of the audience. Um, also, uh, just just want to leave that with you guys to know that there's a lot of beautiful partnerships that are coming and are forming. Uh, we ask that you would continue to share and like the content that's coming out. There's some great stuff that's going on and uh, along with this podcast that you are now getting to enjoy. Now, uh, the video that uh, I was blessed and fortunate enough to be able to put out um, dealing with crushed and, and uh, the idea of my son struggling and struggling and struggling to pick up uh, finally wood that was way too much for him. You know, initially it was easy. It was fun. It was sticks. No big deal. He's, he's uh, 10 foot tall and bulletproof. It's all easy. And maybe you can relate to that at certain points in your life. It's all just humming along and it's easy, but boy, doesn't it get heavy. And here's, go ahead, Paul, I'll let you chime, chime in on what was your take just with that opening scene. Oh, I, I, I mean, I've recently been in that moment where I just felt crushed, recently been feeling way overextended and um, overburdened. And um, for me, I, I just, I just appreciated the video's invitation to take a look at where we are and how, how much we're trying to carry and to really, really be honest about um, our need for our Heavenly Father and maybe a need to relinquish some of what we're struggling with to Him. Amen. Well, and that's just it, is there's a point where it becomes too heavy. And, you know, guys, no one uh, steps up to the altar to get married and invites their divorce attorney to sit out there uh, mm-hmm. in the crowd. No one does that. No pastor steps up in front of his church in his first sermon right after he's brought in going, hey, I look forward to you having a front row seat to me destroying my family, my marriage, and leaving here in shame and alcoholism. Nobody does that because uh, Satan and demonic forces and sin are extremely patient. So the, sin, the, the, the seeds that we can plant or the weight that we begin to take on thinking that we can handle it all over enough space and over enough time, time and space, and that weight starts getting stacked on uh, pound by pound, and pounds can turn into pain in this life. And so uh, just that idea of being able to then not only release that, but recognize that this life really is a rental. It's a rental. The body that you have is a rental. Your mind is a rental. All of us having, listening, having this conversation, uh, tuning in, you know, we're all like one cell from going rogue to uh, six months from now. We suddenly are letting everybody around us know that we have six months to live. Life is so incredibly fragile. And to, to hold and to be clear that it, it really is all of the blessings of this life are a rental. Our children are a rental. They are things that we are given to steward that God gave us graciously. It wasn't meant for us to put all of those things on our shoulders 
and white knuckle our way through life and make sure that we have full control over it. He says, come to me, all you are weary and burdened and cast these burdens upon me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Bring it on, baby. I can carry it. I can carry it. We weren't meant to carry those kinds of things. And so then you watch the joy leave my boy's face. And the best part was, I love it. I love it. Right. I'm helping him carry it. Right. What say you, Paul? Well, I, you know, I do think that that visual was so beautiful and, and you, God is generous in giving us that feeling of authority and autonomy. <laughs> I mean, he, to be fair, he did give Adam and Eve a certain amount of dominion and he yeah. wants us to take charge of the things in our life that we're able to. But, but what you're, the point you're making about the, the idea of stewardship to me is such a shift in mindset that that if I'm taking care of my garden as my little uh, part of my little kingdom, yeah, um, it has a certain sense of like value and you know like I feel really good because this is mine. <laughs> but to see the garden as God's place, this the place where I meet with God, and that I that I'm the gardener, I'm you know I'm stewarding the garden for the rich guy. Yeah. Um, to me is so much more fun and freeing than trying to mastermind my way through things. Just adopting that servant's heart and realizing wherever I go, if I, if I use a bathroom at Bucky's or something, you know, <laughs> at, probably not Bucky's, but at some dump, um, you know, gas station, um, if I wipe off the toilet seat after I do my business, I'm taking care of something that belongs to God. It's it's all His. Yeah. And um, to me, just having that attitude that where wherever I find myself, I can be um, obedient and useful if I'm if I maintain that connection with God that your little boy has with you. It's just it's just such a beautiful image. I love it. And and so I don't know if you caught that, America. Wipe off your toilet seats, okay? In the name of Jesus. So, and I, and this was the cool thing is by the end, little man was like, come on, pops, you know, will you help me? And by the end, what are we doing? We're giving each other a high five. And, you know, guys, Jesus is not the kind of God that sets the world spinning, walks away and says, good luck. No, he wants, and he's not even someone you have to pull by the nose into the mess of your life. Actually, if he's not already in front of you, fighting the battles for you in your future, he is a God who walks with you in the mess. And when you're convinced you can't take another step, how gracious is the good shepherd? He will pick you up and the load that you're carrying, the whole thing, the whole mess. And one day you wake up and you look behind you and you go, holy smokes, how did I ever get to this point of peace and grace and love and mercy? Look at the blessings he gave me. How did this even happen? And there becomes this sense, <laughs> you're just kind of along for the ride. You know, It was about when you were going to figure it out. And it becomes this cool thing. Where you get to high five God, uh, you know, well done, good and faithful servant, you know, and you get to go, wow, we did this together, didn't we? You, you, you made all of this happen, but how cool is it that God didn't make robots? He lets us walk with him and live in this moment. And 
look around and make choices and decisions, some good, some bad, highs and lows, and he's in it, right? I mean, he's in it. So uh, I, I just want you guys to keep that close with your heart, you know, as, as maybe you're starting to have a weight in your life that's just starting to add up and to add up, cast that upon Jesus. Trust him with the moments, the big and the small. Nothing's too big, nothing's too small. And you know what? If you're sitting here and you're like looking back at your success and the things that have gone incredibly well, to sit back and to recognize and reflect those were the good, good grace of God in your life. Let those things even drive you back to praise that God would see fit to rain those things down upon you, give you the, the timing, the opportunities, open the doors for you the way that he did, give you the kind of drive that maybe you have, give you the intelligence and the snap that you have. You know, not, not everybody has those attributes that some of you may possess that's helped you climb up the ladder of success. Those things are good gifts of God. And when you're in ministry, you're confronted with the reality of how quickly and how fragile those things actually are. You know, uh, we're all just one moment away from all of that being gone. It's incredible. And so when we have to, this opportunity to walk with Jesus in this life, cast those burdens, he wants us to live with joy. Because, you know, Satan has, he thinks of it two ways right? From Satan's perspective, it's like, look, if I can get you uh, into hell, that's his ultimate win. Okay, but you're a follower of Jesus. Okay, good. So heaven's waiting for you, fine. So then Satan will just go, you know what, maybe if heaven's waiting for you, maybe I can give you a little bit of hell in this life. And he'll take that because it'll nullify your witness. It'll nullify the joy. And if he can at least get that, he'll take it. That's, that's, What's at stake? And so we cast that stuff on Jesus. Much easier said than done. I'm my own, you know, dumpster fire myself. I'm making messages at many time. I'm talking to me. <laughs> so we're all in it together. We all need community. We bring out the fear out of faith. I love just to bring it all the way around of confession and, and having people that you care about, that care about you, that you love one another, you encourage one another. Um, Paul, just to kind of bookend all of this uh, from this episode, what say you? Well, we know that intimacy with God is where it's at. God is love and he desires yeah. to be connected with us. And so confession is how we enter the life of faith by confessing faith in Jesus. But confession is also how we stay on the path by confessing our failures, our fears, yeah. and our needs to God day by day, just being authentic with him confessing that we are absolutely inept and unable to carry the load. We can't, you know, Jesus says it so clearly, apart from me, you can do no thing, nothing. And so um, just that idea of, of being in that relationship that your little boy is with you, that we can feel a sense of our own strength because young boys do feel like, I can conquer the world. It's the coolest thing, especially with dad at my side. Yeah. Um, and, and God wants us to recapture some of that enthusiasm um, of knowing that dad has my back, that if I falter, if I fall, if I fail, um, the father is there, as you said, to pick me up, load and all, and um, carry me where I need to go. Wow. Guys, you know what that's called? That's called a bow. 
He just put a bow on the whole thing. That's it. That's it. There's nothing else to add. There's nothing else to say, nothing else to revise. Nailed it. There it is. So I'm going to close this out in prayer. Uh, and we just ask that God uh, would lay his hand of blessing upon all of you guys. Continue to walk with each and every one of you. Please continue to uh, to pray with me in this moment. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love, your kindness, your grace, and your mercy. We may feel crushed right now. We may feel burdened right now. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But boy, you give life. And you not only want us to have life, but life to the full. You tell us to cast all of these burdens upon you for your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And so God, uh, we just, we hand those things over to you in this moment. We invite you to walk with us in this time. We invite you into our problems and our fears and our worries. If we're light in this moment on um, just community, we ask God that you would bring in, invade into our inner circle, uh, someone who is a godly man or woman, that we can share uh, what's going on in the deepest parts of our hearts, Lord, that we would experience freedom and joy as you intended it. We love you so much, Jesus, uh, and we thank you for your death and your resurrection that gives us hope, life, and a future. It's in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joshua. Thank you. We love you guys out there. We'll see you next week. 